Father, thanks so much for the opportunity that we have once again to come together as a body of believers to worship you first, to, to realize and be reminded once again that you are the King Eternal. Father, you're the creator of all that we know, ourselves included. And you deserve glory and honor and praise. And your love for us was such that you were willing to pay the ultimate price so that I, Tim, could have a relationship with you and I could be restored and renewed and made right with you. Thank you. Thank you. And now, Father, we have a chance, an opportunity placed before us to open your word and to allow your spirit, the one who penned these words, your spirit to speak to our hearts through what you wrote. So, God, would you open our hearts? We come from different places this morning different parts of our week. Some have struggled this week and it's been hard. Some have had great weeks and it's been so exciting and they're on a high right now. And you know that about us. You know us intimately. You know every thought and every action and every part of our life and you want to speak into that. And so God, by your grace, would you do that for us? And then God, Would you help us to walk out what it is that you speak into our hearts and that we would be more like Jesus Christ because of the time we spend together? Change us. Encourage us in our faith this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We've been winding our way through the book of Colossians, and it's been a fun little journey for me. I don't know if it has for you, but I know Pastor Mike has enjoyed it as well. And... uh, I, I enjoy the epistles. I enjoy them because, um, partly because Paul is, bl- is very blunt. Um, and I, I just like that. It's, it's, it's how I'm wired. I'm wired with, uh, if you want me to know something, tell me. Don't beat around the bush. Just tell me what you want me to know. And don't try to put it in a riddle so I have to guess. Just explain it. And that's really how a lot of these little books are written. And so this morning as we unpack, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse uh, 18, just if you've got your Bible and you're trying to get there, go for it. And we're going to talk about this, that love motivates. And last week we talked about this fact that if we are, or because we are in Jesus Christ, we love the church. And we want to keep going with that because we want to talk about the fact that the love of Jesus Christ motivates everything that happens in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to get into some relationships that we have in Christ, and we're going to talk about the motivating factor in those relationships and what they look like. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a, uh, a warning on the front side of this, okay? And that's this. As I read this passage, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and then I took my Bible app, and I played it. And I played it, and I played it. Mike, it's a lot like Michael W. Smith's Eye to Eye. I ruined a, a CD. We were talking about this this morning. I ruined a CD for Mike when we were teenagers. Uh, it was his CD, or it had been a cassette. Okay, sorry. It was a cassette. That was before, for you young people, they were these little things that were plastic, and you could play music. Anyway, 
I ruined it because I just kept playing it over and over. And finally, he just gave it to me. He's like, I don't want to hear it ever again here. I kind of did that with this passage, only I didn't ruin it, okay? But I put it on and I just played it over and over and over and over and over again. And I let the words of God just sink down into my heart. And there was a couple phrases that caught my attention as I was doing that. And so I'm giving you this warning on the front side. We may not make it through what we're supposed to, okay? Are you okay with that? Just say yes, because it's going to happen anyway, okay? All right. So I want to read the passage, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into this. So if you have your Bible, Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 18. And don't be mad at me because of where we're starting. Some of you are going to be, as soon as I start, I know, okay, just... Be with, see, you're laughing because you're reading it. All right, here we go. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, and you could actually say that when I looked that up, this word fathers there, it's, it actually refers to the, the parent, the parental guidance. It's actually very broad there. And so you could say fathers and mothers both on this one, but the, the, the translators translate it fathers. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. That means, let me help you with that just for a second here. That means this, don't drive them nuts. It really, it means don't be picky. Don't nitpick all the time. It also has this connotation with it. It means this. Don't tease them to the place where they're tired and they're scared of you or they don't want you around. Because sometimes we can think we're being funny, parents, and we're not at all. We're, we're actually hurting them. And that exasperation means this. It means, it means don't take them to the point where they get discouraged with life because of what you're doing to them. Okay, I, I, I'll stop there because I could preach and I'm not supposed to yet. So that they won't become discouraged. Slaves. Now remember that word there in our culture could mean, it means workers. Obey your human masters or your employer in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, employer, deal with your worker, slaves, Justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven who's watching you. I added the little part at the end, but okay, that's what he's saying. Remember, in this passage of scripture, it's the same as every other passage in Colossians. We are speaking to believers in Jesus Christ. All of the relationships that we are talking about in that section are all assumed to be believers in Jesus Christ. And we're going to get to that in a minute. This is not motivational in terms of pick up your bootstraps and get it right. That's not what this is talking about. 
This passage of scripture is, is referring back to what we did last week, which talks about the love of Jesus Christ being the compelling force that motivates us to do everything that we do. We're going to go back to those two verses in just a minute. The presence of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in me causes me to change everything about my relationships when I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you catch that? The presence of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in me causes me to change everything about my relationships as a Christ follower. And the key to that change is the motivation of the love of Jesus Christ in me. If you don't, if you claim to be a Christ follower here this morning, and all of your relationships have stayed exactly the same, you want to ask yourself, am I in Christ? Has Christ changed me? If my view of my relationships have not changed since I have been in Christ then I ought to ask myself a question about the power of Jesus Christ and the presence of Holy Spirit in me. Confucius said this, the strength of a nation is determined by, from the integrity of its homes. Let me say that again. The strength of a nation is determined from the integrity of its homes. Someone else has said it this way, as the home goes, so the nations go. This morning, what we're going to talk about is all of those relationships, those interpersonal relationships in a home, in a community, and how the presence of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit changes those families. And when God has a hold of those relationships, our homes change and our nation or our community changes as well. Now, in order to have this conversation, I need to start somewhere else. And I don't want you to think that I'm picking on anything. I just want to make a couple statements. Number one is this. If you want to have a God-centered home, parents, you're sitting here, children, you're sitting here, grandparents that are sitting here, which pretty much puts us all in this, okay? Because you fit in one of those somewhere. If you want to have a God-centered and a God-honoring home, you cannot do it on screech. It will not happen. I can guarantee it. You can't do it. If you want to have a God-centered home that will affect this community, the Oxford Hills, for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then you have to make room for God to be number one in your family. It can't be I need God to show up or I'm going to take my kids to church on Sunday or once in a while I've got to do this for God because that makes God happy and then we'll be blessed and we'll be encouraged and things will go well. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. Guys, gals, if God is not, number one, the priority, the only priority that you have in your life, the trickle-down effect and the change in the relationships will not happen. The power of God and the power of the Spirit of God in us is when God has control first place in our life. Number one. So, now I'm going to start teaching. (laughs) That was just the introduction. You can breathe now. It's okay. Go back to verses 14 and 17 with me because I want you to see how this passage that we're going to study 
is actually cloaked so that you can see it. In verse 14, it says this, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Jump down to 17. It says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thank to God the Father above. First and foremost, put on what? You say it. Love. You got it last week. The ones that are here, you already knew the answer because we did this last week. And then what did we read? First Corinthians 13, right? The love chapter. We stood together and we read it. So first and foremost, what? Put on. Okay. When I say that word, love, what do you picture? It's Sunday morning. It was a long weekend. You're going, nothing. It's blank. I'm just happy to be here. Some of you just picture the word love. I don't know what you picture because our society has taken that word and twisted it in so many different directions that it's hard to have a picture of what in the world does that really mean? What does the word? So let me, let me paint a picture for you of love. One of, the, one of the first thoughts, and I gave a little bit of this, and I asked my wife permission. She told me last week I forgot to ask her permission to talk about her last week, and so I did, and she told me no, but I'm still going to do it. I'll deal with that later. No, she said it was okay. She did. She said it was okay. No, she didn't. She's shaking her head now. Thanks. I'm in trouble. One of the first thoughts for me that comes to mind is, is the picture of my wife, my bride, before we got married, her standing at the back and coming toward me. And, and the feeling for me, it, wasn't, it, it was more the, the, this is who God has blessed me with to complete who I am. That's one of the descriptions of the word love for me. And that has grown, by the way, in our relationship. I realize how far I fall short and how much she completes me. And that's part of the picture of love. The other thing when, when I think of the word love that comes to my mind is this. It's the picture of a mother with a child. I think of this all the time. A mother doesn't take her child and hold her child. This is how she wanders around. Don't let it get close right? It's not what a mother does, right? The moment that a child is born, they bring the child and they bring it in close. And for their existence as a mother, and sometimes even too long, but, right? (laughs) You're with me. But that's what a mother does, right? She pulls a child in and she cares for and concerned for and helps and nurtures and grows that child. And here's the side of that picture that you got to get. It's not just holding that child, but it's nurturing that child, right? It's selflessly nurturing. It's at the expense of her own good sometimes, at the expense of her own sleep sometimes, at the expense of her own sanity at times, right? Parent, moms, yeah? And dads, you do the same. There, there's, there's a place there where all of a sudden when you have a child, you begin to love in a way that you never knew you could. You never knew that it was possible to care for that little screaming bundle of joy as much as you do. That's a picture of it. But scripture gives us another picture and Jesus puts it this way. Here's the extent of love. When someone is willing to lay their own life down for the sake of someone else. 
Scripture says it this way, for a friend, and then it goes on and it says, and Jesus called you friend. Now, the extent of the love, that picture of love for you is this, that he didn't call you friend when you said, I like you, Jesus. That's not what he did. He called you friend when you said, I don't like you, or I don't know you, or I don't really have that much concern about who you are. Jesus said, guess what? I love you. I will lay my life down for you, even though you don't like me. That's love. Love is a selfless act for someone else, for their good, not for mine, for their good. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, I know what you need before you know what you need. And I care for you so much that knowing what you need, I will give myself for your need before you even know it, before you even get it. That's love. That's the picture of love that the Bible is talking about when it says, first of all, put on love. Now, let's go to these verses because now it all starts to make sense. That's the level. That's that's the bar of love that we're talking about. Now, let's go to the verses. Wives, submit to your husbands. Remember when he says this, he's saying it in light of the love of Jesus Christ. You're not submitting to your husband because, oh, he's lording it over me, or he has a ruler in his hand, or I'm less than he is. That's not it. He's saying this. He says, look, if the love of Jesus Christ is in you, remember the love that bought your freedom when you didn't deserve it. Now he says, wives, because of that love, submit to your husband. Whoa, that's different. And he goes farther with that, right? Because the next verse goes on to husbands. And he says this, husbands, love your wives. That's the picture of Jesus Christ for the church, selfless, not with what I get in return, but what I give to her, right? Guys, this isn't about what I get out of this. This is about what I give to her because of what Christ did in me. If I get nothing out of this, but I love wholeheartedly, I have honored God with my commitment. Love as Christ loved the church. Now look at the next part of this. This is one of those phrases that grabbed my attention, and I'm going to stop here for a minute. You ready for this? Here it is. And don't be, what? Bitter toward her. Let's say this together. And don't be bitter toward her. We're going to stop here for a minute. The word bitter, this, this just kept, ever, I, I don't know, Mike, I, I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, and I don't think I ever noticed this phrase before in reading it. But I couldn't get over it as I read the passage. The word bitter means resentful, angry, or hurt. Husbands, don't be resentful, angry, or hurt by your wife. You say, no, I'm not. What does that mean? Let me help you. Guys, I think that some of us, some of the guys in this room right now, are bitter toward their wives, and here's what it might look like. She doesn't get me. 
She doesn't get me. We've been together this long, and she does not get me. She does not understand. Stop for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Do you get her? Do you know that Proverbs says that one of the wonders of the world, one of the things that you cannot fathom is a woman? (laughs) I'm not getting in trouble here, okay, please. No, I want to be serious about this, but guys... Do you really get her? Do you understand her? See, it's a two-way street. You can look at it and say, she, do, she just doesn't, and I'm resentful of the fact that she does not get me. And when things go sideways in our relationship, she just doesn't get it. And I'm okay because she doesn't get it. I can do what I want to do because she doesn't get it. No, you can't. You love her without holding resentment. Or maybe it looks like this. Maybe, maybe some of us, the, the, the answer is this. We're, we're bitter because she's holding back. She's holding me back. She, she's, just, she's not all into this thing. She's keeping me from the stuff that I like or the stuff that I could do. And, and guys, if that's your thought, if that's the case, this is the woman that God entrusted to you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not a mistake. And God entrusted that relationship with you and she is not holding you back. You together have a work to do in Christ for the body of Christ. And if you will get together on the same page. God will do incredible things with that relationship for you. And here's the other side of that. Are you holding her back? Has your attitude and your bitterness and your resentment and your anger put a cap on what it is that she can do and who she is? Because see, here's loving her. Loving her is letting her go. It's letting her become the person that God created her to be. She doesn't want what I want. She's not the same person that I married. Oh, I've heard that. Guess what? You're not either. So what? She treats me with disrespect. She doesn't know how hard I work. (laughs) Do you know how hard she works? (laughs) She doesn't realize that I deserve. And when those thoughts begin to creep into our mind, they begin to paint pictures for us and we play games in our minds and the game is this, what if? What if? What if this was different? What if that coworker of mine What if we hadn't? And those are all incredibly dangerous games to start playing because bitterness begins to take root in my heart. And instead of being the encourager, the lover of her soul, the one who lifts her up before God and makes her the best person that she could possibly be, I drag her down. Guys, heart check. Bitterness. Has it taken root? 
resentment, anger, hurt? Is it ruling that relationship that you have with your wife? Okay, I'll move on. He goes down through all of these pictures of these relationships from a wife to a husband to children. Obey your parents. Guys, you want to show somebody that you love them? I won't point out my kids, but they're right here. Obey. When you obey your parents and you're honoring God, workers, those of you who have jobs, that's all of us in some way or another, honoring God means that we honor those who are our bosses. Loving God means that we love those who are our bosses. Loving God means that the attitude of love not out for me, not for what I get out of it, not for how I'm viewed, not for what, how people see me, but because I love Jesus Christ first and foremost, I'll do the best at everything I do. Employer, master, the one that's hiring somebody, it's not for what they make for you. That's not why you hire them. That's not it. Yeah, you hired them to do a job, but give them the love that they deserve so that they will do better at the job that they do. That's what all of this is talking about. The attitude of love. Now jump down with me, if you would, to verse 22. Verse 22, he says it this way. It's slaves, obey your human masters and everything you do. Don't work only while you're being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. I want you to get this, guys. When you do what you do, you're not doing it for the people who see you. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for God. When you work, don't work hard just when someone might come around the corner and catch you working so you look really good. You give your best all the time so that God in heaven who sees you says, I'm, I'm proud, I'm approved, I approve this worker. Verse 23, he says it this way. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Guys, can I throw a challenge out to you in this whole thing of loving relationships? And here's the challenge. This week, as you go about living life with your spouse, guys, that whole thing we were just talking about, the bitterness and all that kind of stuff, wives, the position that you have, children, the obeying your parents and putting them in the place that they rightfully belong, workers as you work at work, employers as you hire your people and you work with them, can I, can I challenge you? Do everything you do this week so that God is pleased with you. Forget about everybody else for a minute. Because you know what I realized as I read this passage? I realized this. If I do everything that I do to please God, everyone else will be pleased as well. Let me say it again. If I do everything I do to please God, when we're talking about this love relationship, that's, that's what we're talking about everyone else will be pleased as well. Look at your last week. Look at all the things you, last, you did last week. Let me ask you this question. Did, the, did you do the best that you could possibly do in everything you did last week? 
It was the best. There was nothing more you could leave on the table. You put it all out there. Every job, every relationship, every conversation you had with your wife, the way you treated your kids last week, when you walked away from every one of those, you said this, I did the best I could possibly do in every one of those scenarios. You don't have to answer because I don't want to. This week, that's what this is talking about, guys. That's the practicality of this. It's talking about this, the conversations that I have with my wife, Pam, need to be honoring God and I need to do the best and engage the best I possibly can with my conversations with my wife. When I engage with Justin and Talia this week in, in looking after the chickens and, and soccer and, and whatever else, getting ready for school and whatever else is going on in their life, you know what? I need to focus on them. Not on what I want. Yeah, I see you. Not on how I want it but on them to bring honor to God in my relationships with my kids. And when I work, my answer can't be, oh, that's good enough. I remember sometimes hearing and even saying this and take it for what it's worth, but that's good enough for, have you ever said it? For who it's for. Uh Uh-oh. Think about that in light of this verse. Because what's the verse say? Everything I do is for who? It's for God. And so if my response is, oh, that's good enough for who it's for. Wow. So the challenge this week? Let the love of God determine how and why you do what you do. Can you do that? That's hard. And guys, let me say this. We're not going to be perfect. This isn't going to work out. You're not going to walk out of here and go, next week, yes, home run, I did it all perfect. You liar. (laughs) We're all human. But God asks us to strive toward being like Christ and loving like Christ. And some of us give up before we even start. Don't. Don't. Because I am in Christ, love motivates my relationships. Can you say that with me? Because I am in Christ, love motivates my relationships. God, help us this week to allow the love of Jesus Christ to motivate each and every one of our relationships. In your name, amen. Hey, folks, and that's the truth right there. Nothing is impossible with God. And you may be sitting here this morning looking at your relationships that we've just described and knowing that they should be pervaded, they should be motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. And you're sitting here going, wow, that is not a description of where my love, where my relationships are. It's possible through Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You can't, you can't. Remember, this is not a motivational speech. It's not me working harder. That's not it. It's the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working through me for me to be Jesus to the people that I live life with. It is possible through Christ for you to love the way God wants you to love. Guys, it is possible through Christ for Jesus Christ to take that bitterness 
that may be deep-seated in your heart toward your wife, and he can take that out, and he can do surgery on that, and he can change that if you'll let him. It's possible with Christ if we yield to him and we say yes. God, grant us the courage to say yes so that the impossible would be possible in our hearts. Help us to love as Christ loves in this community. Amen.